it's been a few months since we gathered the insiders, but they're back tonight, and we'll be seeing them more often as we get closer to the October 19th election date. Three political pros who checked their partisanship at the studio door to give us some insight into how their game is played. Jamie Watts in London tonight. He's worked on many conservative campaigns. Ditto for Kathleen Monk of the NDP here in Toronto and David Hurley also in Toronto for the Liberals. All right, topic one, a struggling campaign. We're seeing one, it seems, in Alberta as the PCs go down to the wire with polls and anecdotal evidence suggesting they're having a much more difficult time than people thought they'd have. They're not the first campaign to face that dilemma, a party seemingly in trouble and workers wondering what to do. So what do you do? David, why don't you start us? What do you do with a troubled campaign? Well, it starts with some pretty serious self-examination about what's actually happening to you, and it could be a number of things. It could be that your campaign, frankly, was ill-thought through at the beginning, and that the strategy, even if you're executing it well, isn't going to work. I think that's what we're seeing with Mr. Prentice. Other times it could be like what happened with Kathleen's party in the last federal election, which is they just take off and catch the other parties by surprise, and in that case, you've got to do something to blunt your opponent's momentum. Or you could have a completely exogenous variable intervene in the election campaign, as happened with the RCMP investigation in 2006, mm -hmm. and then you've got to find a way to change the channel on that. But it all starts with understanding where do you need to be on election day and what's preventing you from getting there. And what if people start using words like exogenous? <laughs> we'll all die for our dictionaries. Right. He's, never, he's never tired of making excuses about that. Right? <laughs> well, first, I'm going to state the obvious. No one likes the feeling that possibly you're losing a campaign. So, so I mean, the, what you really need to do uh, to make sure you don't lose is don't look like a loser, because that's the surest way to lose, right? So part of it is having that campaign confidence. So in the war room, we used to have a saying to one another. We used to say, put your game face on, right? That was put your game face on. And that was show your confidence, right? So look bullish. So one way to do that is obviously to buy up radio ads or start touring, change your tour agenda and go into growth areas. So ridings that you don't currently have incumbents to look a bit bullish. And that kind of sends a narrative, hopefully, and with that confidence boost, you can hopefully give your campaign some lift. All right, Jamie. Well, you know, Kathleen's right. David is right. You want to put your game face on. You want to try as hard as you can be. I had this speech. I had two sisters, one sis both who were excellent in badminton, better than I ever was. And one of them won more times than the other because she never gave up to the end. So I used to give this speech, right? Keep fighting, keep fighting till the end. And then one day I gave that speech and the campaign said we must really be in trouble because he's given the losing speech again. So sometimes, you know what? You're just in a really bad place and it's time for a change and the wheels come off the bus and everything you're trying to do goes wrong. And I'm not really sure that you can do a whole lot about it. You know, you went from one day being really smart to one day being a bum and that's just politics. But you do see campaigns that turn it around in the middle and we've all seen them over the last 30 years or so um, that we've all been involved in some way either covering or in politics. But so what, what do you do with the candidate? At some point, you've got to tell them, mm. we've got a problem here and, and something's got to change. Yeah, you, you do have to tell them. And you owe them, a duty, you owe them, Peter, a duty of honesty to tell them. And then everybody needs to just dig really deep, as Kathleen said, and try and turn it around. And uh, it's really tough to deliver on that. But there it's, are moments you know, where you have you these, you know, win. where your opponent can actually hand you your campaign reboot. This has happened before in 2013 and uh, 2003, excuse me, in Saskatchewan. It was widely expected that the 
Saskatchewan party leader was going to take that election. But in the beginning days of the campaign, he went out there and he talked a little bit about privatization. So the NDP, which assumed they were going to lose the, the election, ditched their campaign plan, threw it out the window, and were agile enough to reboot, to turn their campaign and seize on his, you know, probably mistaken comments and made their whole campaign about privatization. And they went, the NDP went to win a, you know, a majority again, which was, you know, considered quite a feat. So if the campaign manager and the team as a whole, including the leader, are agile enough to pick up on those things, it happened actually with David, I would say, in the 2014 Ontario election campaign, which you managed for win, when Hudak as well kind of handed this opportunity right. to opposition parties with his 100,000 job cuts. Well, you've seen it from both sides. Right. He, right. Handed, he handed in, David a lotto ticket, right? Right. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. but, David, you saw it in, in 04 as well when the Liberal federal campaign was appeared in trouble. The, your own people were, were, were sort of openly talking about how much trouble they were in. Right. But turned it around in the middle of that campaign. Well... You know, you're going to have to use everything at your disposal. You're going to have to use advertising, and it's likely going to be negative advertising. We've all employed that in these circumstances before. You're going to, as Kathleen said, have to rejig your tour. I'd like to pick up on one thing that she talked about, though, which is the game face aspect of it. It's one thing for the staffers who are going in to meet media or going out to meet volunteers to look confident and upbeat. Really hard for the candidate not to wear that desperation mm -hmm. on their face when they're mm -hmm. out there all the time knowing that they're losing. And the critical thing is people are smart. They're intuitive. They sense that. Mm -hmm. And they know that you're desperate because you're losing. Yeah. And yeah. what you have to make them feel is that you're desperate because the result's going to be awful for the province or for the country. But really what they see is this is now about you. And that's the worst situation you can be in. People had a lot of uh, criticism about Alison Redford, but even in the last campaign that she ran, even when she was 20-plus points behind, she never let her game face fall. And I think that's one of the reasons, to pick up on David's point, why she actually won in the end. All right. I want to shift topics, and I want to go to the whole issue of uh, government advertising and what opposition parties can do about it. We're into a pre-election period now. This is not the first government to use government advertising to, uh, you know, to talk about the programs it has. Perhaps they're using it more than anybody else has. But nevertheless, opposition parties are left with a dilemma. They don't have that option of using mm -hmm. the public's money to promote their agenda. Uh, what do opposition parties do? Well, Peter, you're first right. Like, federal governments, provincial governments use advertising. Why? Because it works, right? It works because you can precondition the electorate. And that's what's happening right now. And certainly some might say that this government is kind of on steroids with their, with their advertising budget. But opposition parties have tools too. Earned media coverage, getting out there, um, using events, using stakeholders actually to leverage and amplify your message. You're seeing that now with certain bills, Bill C-51, where you see groups, you know, rise up and hosting rallies across the country about a bill, that's earned media that the opposition parties are getting that the, that the government is not getting. It's negative media for them. So it's not equal. They have hundreds of millions. Opposition parties are not spending in any way near the same amount, but it can be effective. And it's not all the way through the hockey games, through the playoffs. And it's not through the hockey games. David? <laughs> uh, I'm a little uh, more bleak about this. I mean, I think there's nothing that you can do to really counter it. You can try to make it an issue, the fact that they're spending that money as the Liberals tried to do in this past weekend with their advertisement. Uh, but fundamentally... Can you make it an issue? Not really. No. Uh, it's not going to be a ballot question at the end of the day. It can muddy up the government's image a little bit or its reputation a little bit, mm -hmm. make it look older or more entitled a little bit. But at the end of the day, none of that counterbalances for the fact that on a, on a 
charitable guesstimation, this government's going to spend $40 million a year on promotion, not informational advertising, on promotional advertising. And that is, I don't know, $39.5 million more than the NDP are spending this year? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Steroids. Peter, to the victor go the spoils, and that's just one of the ways it works. And it's not fair, and uh, it's hard to, to uh, beat it back, but uh, it's also not hundreds of millions of dollars either. So, well, What about a, a way to deal with it? Kathleen's given us some suggestions of how uh, the other parties can work against this. Perhaps not, you know, not an equal footing, but at least some ideas. You got ideas there, Jamie? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think we're now in a world where advertising is the only tool parties have. We have social media. We have other ways to get to uh, the electorate and to get to voters. And I think, you know, one of the things the Liberals are doing right now are quite effective in trying to, you know, call out the government on what it's doing. And the more effective they can be on that, the better it goes. But as David says, it's pretty tough to beat that kind of paid advertising. All right. We're going to have to leave it there. A quick appearance tonight as you come back on and we're glad to have you and as we said lots more between now and october 19th so jamie in london this week kathleen and david here in toronto good to have you back we'll Great see you again here. in a few weeks time